Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This week, we're going to be doing some student Q&A. I've got a lot of questions saved up from recent classes, and we're going to take one of the ones that is sort of a recurring theme in the classes and as a parking lot topic in a lot of the classes. And we've got two guests, Sarah McClintock and Jeff Matter here. Sarah and Jeff, thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so before we get started, Sarah, can you tell these folks who you are and a little bit about your background so they get some frame of reference for you and all the wisdom you're about to drop their way? <laughs> yeah. Hi, I am Sarah McClintock. I'm one of the enterprise transformation consultants at Leading Agile. I've been with the company a year and a half, almost two years now. So enjoyed my time with Leading Agile. Uh, before that, I was a transformation leader at uh, some companies here in Des Moines, Iowa, and also helping with um, scaling Agile with uh, those organizations and coaching them and training them on Agile practices. All right, cool. Then thank you for that. And Jeff, before you tell them about your background, can you also explain what an en enterprise transformation analyst does? For the most part, it's kind of like a critical thinking uh, work between all the roles kinds of job. Basically, what that means is I end up um, working with executives, working with people on the ground, kind of pulling all that stuff together, managing our artifacts so that they can um, help transformation succeed. They can be tied to our strategy. They can help people understand what's going on. So it's kind of like all the glue in between the parts. That's how I think about it. Okay, cool. Um, and thank you for being here. We're going to talk about a question that comes up in every class, and I had it saved on a post-it from a recent class. And th the simplest way to express this question is, what do you do if you don't have a product owner? So that happens a lot of places. The company decides they're willing to send people off to Scrum Master training, and usually those people are also sla like slash project managers, but they're not going to invest in product owners. So what do you do if you're trying to set up a scrum team and you have no PO? Well, so Dave, I, the other thing I should have mentioned, I was in your class last week. And one of the things that I thought was kind of cool is you're laying out, you know, the basics of scrum and how it's supposed to work. And it's a group of um, product owners in this class. Yep. And as sort of the conversations around the table were marinating, you, I could sort of see how people were, um, saying, well, you know what? My company doesn't work that way. Yeah. And starting to visualize some of the trade-offs that were happening as you, know, as you make some of those concessions, like a product owner not on the team, or maybe three product owners. And so it was, it was kind of interesting to, um, to, to see how people react to that. Yeah, because so many people don't have this basic foundational role that we say you need to have in order for this stuff to work. Yeah, that's not, even, that's not Scrum. That's not even Agile. We'll call that Fragile. Okay. All right. So Sarah, have you, have you seen this happen at least once? Um, absolutely. Like you <laughs> said, most organizations really don't understand this role or know what this role is. So a lot of organizations that we have started out with, you know, we're, we're actually building that, that role. Um, so teams are definitely starting out with no true product owner at that time. To me, it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's not about the title or the, you know, I'm in this role. It's about, you know, we're a team. Somebody should be stepping up to play those activities and 
um, ensure that the team is working on the most valuable thing. Um, it's prioritized that our teams know what and why they are working on something. Even if they don't have that title, the, the teams need that to be able to figure out you know, how they should be developing something. So somebody should be stepping up. Um, and if that's the team figuring that out or, um, you know, just making sure that, you know, maybe they're working with a project manager to, to play those activities and find out what they need uh, before they start going. But okay. definitely somebody should be playing that um, with the goal of showing the value of that role and how important that is. And the other thing is, is what's not getting done, um, being able to be transparent about that. Okay. So let's talk about the job for a second. So I would say that the role of product owner is somebody that the organization has entrusted with making decisions about what ships and when it ships. So what we put in the box, when the box goes on the truck and goes out to the customers, that that person is ultimately the, the last line of defense for quality that they are the person who's expected to be in sync with the company and company strategy and in sync with the customer's needs, in sync with the team's needs. And where all these different stakeholder groups all want different stuff, the company's entrusting this product owner to be the one to make the grown-up decisions about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. What am I missing? Correct. Is, that, is there stuff yep. that you would add to that that I'm missing? Um, just really can in on building that backlog. You know, we, we really focus on the backlog and making sure the backlog is, um, not only prioritized, but it's the right, um, the right work and it's broken down, um, enough, uh, not too much, but enough to make sure that our teams can flow and, and we have our throughput that we need. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Jeff, do you run into this a lot when you're getting, tossed into different organizations and helping them get started with this transformation? Well, the, um, the, the example that's coming to my mind is not so much confusion about the role of a product owner, but it's like when, you know, when the organization is large enough and the product offering is complex enough and, you know, there's dependencies like, you know, legal compliance, marketing, you're operating in different, um, in parts of different parts of the world and stuff like that that like all these things need to be rolled into that person and it comes more and more impossible for one person to do that job. So it ends up, you know, there's like, there's one of two alternatives, either like, you know, a team doesn't have a, doesn't have a product owner and they have to make those decisions themselves and they're going to end up making probably the wrong decisions or the person making those decisions is so far away from the team that, that, um, they can't hold the team's hand in articulating that strategy and that vision and being able to get that on the ground perspective of that's going to give feedback into their strategy. If like customers are actually um, being delighted in the way that we imagined. Okay. So you're talking about a product owner team, which is sort of the opposite extreme. Instead of not having any PO, we've got a group of people playing that role. Together. Yeah. Yeah. And so the object of having a team around that product owner is not to replace the product owner. It's to support them into navigating some of those complexities where different parts of the organizations have to be involved in that strategy. They're each playing a, um, a part in it. But there okay. still needs to be, um, like in Scrum, we talk about the product owner. It has to be has to have an authority. Like They need to make decisions on priority. 
They need to be knowledgeable so the delivery team can ask them questions, but most of all, they need to be available. So the team can't replace the role, but it's definitely in support of the role. Okay. So I want to try to break this one down a little bit and Sarah, see if you have any comments on this. So in one case, we've got no PO and nobody's doing this job. In another case, members of other members of say the scrum team might play this role. So maybe it's the development team is trying to figure it out or um, I did it. I had one situation where as a scrum master, I was trying to also do the job of product owner. Um, the other option would be maybe we have a single voice of priority, but that voice is part of a larger collective that talks about these things. And maybe there's one person who expresses the, the thing that we're going to do, but there's a number of different voices kind of working it out together and making the decision collectively. Is that my mind on the same page with you guys? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I would agree. And I think they're at different stages of, um, you know, forming a team, right. Or as your team progresses, um, those things may change, um, as your team becomes a higher performing team and learns more on how to, how to deliver. Okay. So let's, let's go through these one at a time and, and maybe we can kind of pick apart or tease out some of the issues with them. So, um, I think we we all agree that if we don't have a product owner, the biggest risks there are the fact that we, we may not have a prioritized or ordered backlog. There's no way for us to know if what we're doing is the most important thing. No way to make sure we're in sync with company strategy. Um, nobody to, fill, to, to give the team the information they need about the requirements so they can actually build the stuff. Um, so that just creates a massive amount of risk and burden on, on the rest of the people that are trying to get the work done. If if we have a situation like I had where I had this gig, there was, there was no product owner. And this was exacerbated by the fact that it was a consulting job. But the, the client didn't provide a product owner. We did not provide a product owner. So as Scrum Master, I ended up trying to play both roles. Um, so where have you seen, what kind of complications have you guys seen in terms of somebody who is either a development team member or a Scrum Master and is also trying to be product owner? Like what doesn't work about that? I think when you start, you know, blending those roles together, it, not only are you going to have kind of like a, um, a product vision on your team, if, if with lack of a product owner, you're going to have a product vision that's probably not in line with um, the other parts of the organization that and has to and has to be. But you're going to have teams that aren't able to get out in front of the customer and um, and and have all the time to manage that product backlog. Okay. Sarah. And yeah, and I would agree with that, but I would also say from a capacity and knowledge standpoint, um, things are going to get missed and I'd be, I would be afraid of the, those things that would be at risk of, um, us missing or not paying attention to like we should. Um, the, in my opinion, the product owner is the most important role on the team. Um, so having them also be responsible for facilitating, um, taking care of all the blockers and, you know, participating in other types of activities that are going on to keep the team moving um, might pull them away from them being there when the team needs them, yeah. um, things like that. So that would be, I think, the biggest risk for me of somebody playing multiple roles um, that are two of the, the important roles um, on a team. So, it, so the delivery team, the developers, 
can keep um, moving. Yeah. Well, it just um, increases so. your risk. I mean, my, there's another yeah. another aspect of this we haven't really touched on yet. I mean, Jeff, you sort of alluded to vision a few minutes ago, but there's a lot of this job product ownership that's not even mentioned in in like the Scrum Guide. Things like making sure that all the stakeholders are on the same page in terms of what the product vision is, and make you know making sure that the roadmap is clear and that everybody agrees to that and keeping the development team in alignment with company strategy through vision and roadmap and explanation of requirements and things like that. Like there's, there's no, that's not stuff that's called out in the scrum guide. It is a big part of this job. And even if you had somebody like when I did it, I was acting as a scrum master. I knew what we had to build. So I had more or less had a bunch of items in a backlog that were put together by the team, but there was no way to figure out, what was most important to the client or what we should deliver first because i had no access to anybody that that could you know to be that one voice so especially it was you know worse because it was a consulting deal but um, if you don't have somebody who's got that connection upstairs it's going to be hard to understand whether or not what you decide is the most important thing is the most important thing to the company yeah that's absolutely a good point like there's a ton of commitments to in, um, you know, internal customers and business sponsors that have to be managed and even making sure that the investments and the things we're going after in the market that we're understanding how to manage our own capabilities as an organization and investing in the right things as an organization to like, to be optimized for, um, to be poised for like being able to do that, to have a good shot at having that competitive advantage. That has okay. to be above the delivery team. So what if, Sarah, what if somebody's got this situation? What advice do you have for them other than get out of it? <laughs> <laughs> you mean they have the, that they're playing like two roles? Yeah, they don't, they don't have a formally know? designated product owner. There's nobody with connection upstairs. There's nobody who can draw that kind of line of sight from corporate strategy down to the product level and say, here's the most important thing in the backlog. Um, so since we don't have that, I'm the scrum master and I'm trying to do both jobs. I mean, do either of you have suggestions for how to cope with that, how to just minimize the damage that you're doing because you can't do either job well? Well, I'm a big data person. Um, I think objective data, um, helps tell the story. It's not, um, personal and it's not subjective, of course. Um, so any type of data um, that we can can have to support what we're trying to say. Um, and then also I would make sure um, if, if it is a problem and, and the teams are, are seeing this or, um, you know, if you have different levels like a program or portfolio level or something like that, that you make sure that those things are coming up um, as retrospective items. Um, and that it's consistent so you can show over time that this isn't getting better. It's either getting worse um, or um, it could get better. And here's how, how we would change, you know, our, our delivery system and how we would deliver much better. Okay. So use the transparency and, and the impact of not yep. having this role to, to surface up to stakeholders. Look, this is the, the problems this is causing. Yes. Okay. Um, Jeff, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And um, so the other thing I think about is any company that's has the willpower to go agile and maybe they 
maybe they're in a situation where everyone stopped doing waterfall and the mandate came down that they're going to start um, chopping their work up into sprints. And it's like, okay, now we're sprinting, but you know, like if they're trying to get the executive alignment to really go full bore agile, um, I've, I've seen it to where eventually the time comes where the executive goes to the delivery teams and he says, I need this done. And he tries to shove it into the system and everybody knows it's a bad idea. And like Sarah pointed out, they have to be able to leverage that data to have the conversation. And, um, I think past just the, um, the data you have to have, it has to be a really strong personality to be able to negotiate and say, look, you know, you told us we were going agile and we said we were going to be able to produce more and delight customers more. And that's true. And we're telling you that you can't have this now because we're at capacity, but that was true in the old way of working. It's just now I can prove to you that it wasn't going to get done and it's not going to get shuffled under the rug. Okay. So being able to like, that, that's a hard conversation to have. And I think it happens, it's going to happen in everyone's transformation journey at some point. Okay. All right. So I want to tell you guys what happened to me when I complained about this. And I'm Sarah, I'm especially curious to hear your response to this. So um, I'm doing this gig. We don't have a product owner. I'm, at, I'm, I'm the scrum master. I have a team I'm working with. And I keep complaining to the client, like, you guys have to give us a product owner. You have to give us a product owner. So they give us five for, for one product, five product owners, each responsible for a different area. And the very first day that we had the five product owners, I sat down with the development team and, and one of the five, and we showed him a bunch of wireframes. And we said, look, we need you to pick one of these so we can move forward with it. And the guy refused to pick one because he was afraid he'd get fired if he picked the wrong one. And this is a story I tell in all the classes, but I'm like, how are, how are you the product owner? And he said, well, my boss just told me I had to be the product owner, but the company mm -hmm. never explained to him you can actually make decisions and you have to make decisions and we won't fire you. Yeah. Part of ownership right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's the other thing, um, making sure that we get the right people in the roles. Um, because, um, you know, when you said that you were playing that role, um, as a consultant, sometimes, um, as a consultant, they don't think, you know, we're as invested, right? So same thing is if you don't have the right person who's going to stand up for the right decisions um, or escalate and, and you know, be able to make those decisions on their own, then that tells you that's the wrong person. Yeah. So in that situation, first of all, five product owners <laughs> is a problem to me. Um, they were, really, not they were one really trying to fix it. Yeah. So, so again, um, we have to, we're going to miss things, right? Yeah. So when we do miss it and we fail at a delivery that we committed to, then why did you? Well, we didn't have a product owner who made a single decision, um, in the five instance. Um, but if we have the wrong one, no, that's the product owner is the single accountable person for prioritizing and making the decision. If they can't make the right decision, then we need the right person in here. Well, who cares? Um, I, to me, I don't even care if it's the right decision. I just want a decision. Cause if it's a, a event, decision, we'll yeah. figure it out in a couple of days. Yeah. So hopefully, and I'm sure you did, you escalated that right away. Yes. Um, I did. <laughs> and, and you probably missed 
um, or failed at some commitments um, to help help show that is happening. Um, it wasn't something that you were just feeling because somebody couldn't make a decision. You actually had proof behind yeah. it, right? Yeah. And we ended up, we did end up with one product owner, so it got better. Um, so th- right. that did. So we it. did end up with the with one product owner. Um, was it one that could make the decision? Yeah, it actually. After we got down to one, it went really well. I think yep. maybe, and go, this is kind of a segue into that product owner team conversation again. But I think that their intention was that if there are five people, each responsible for a different area, that they can coordinate their efforts. But that didn't happen because of the. So the, some of the political stuff going on in the company. But um, if we talk about a product owner team, the example I was using class is that, you know, Don Corleone is the product owner and Michael Sonny and Tom Hayden are his product owner team. Um, they all have different area of, areas of expertise. This is from the Godfather. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you. Um, they, they, Tom and uh, Tom Hayden and Sonny and Michael each offer an opinion and Don Corleone makes a decision because he's the product owner, but he has to get counsel from all these people that, that are part of his team. And that would be an ideal situation. And I think that's what they were thinking would happen with those five people. It just didn't play out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they probably didn't have uh, the expertise and the coordination to come together to help make those decisions either. No, they're, they're probably doing it in silos. Too busy trying not to get fired. Right. Well, if they don't <laughs> have the expertise, you should just add people to the team, right? Exactly. More people always makes it better. Um, all right. So let's try to offer some advice. Like if, if, I mean, this person who asked this question, obviously they're in a situation where they don't have a PO. Um, they, they don't have the, the, the whatever, you know, clout in the company to get them to assign a PO. Or to, to invest in a PO. So what do you do if, if you don't have that? I mean, how do you manage? I, I know that the, the getting the data and showing why failure is occurring is going to be helpful, but, but beyond that, is there anything that either of you can recommend that some folks could do to try to cope with this? Or should they just like hang it up? No, absolutely no. <laughs> um <laughs> again, we're a team, we, we all want to deliver, um, successfully. So, um, to your, your situation to Dave, I would probably say, you know, the scrum master is the best person to step up and help us with this. Um, and uh, continue to move forward. Um, but your, your team really needs to be delivering. So you have to help support them, um, or somebody does. Um, maybe there's also in the organization, I know I've worked with, um, organizations that had delivery leads, like, um, that were managers or, you know, helping to, um, to, uh, build the demand, uh, for teams. Okay. Um, maybe some, asking somebody like that to play, um, this role and help with these activities to support the team, because it is about delivery. Um, so as a team, we have to make sure we're successful. So I want to ask about this for a second. So maybe somebody who's not a dedicated member, let's say it's a scrum team, a dedicated member of the scrum team, but somebody who has a sense of awareness of what matters to the company, um, that, that can, can at least take a stab at it. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Yep. Subject matter expertise. Okay. We pull in to the team what we need. Yeah. Um, even if it's, um, having, what you know, people may call them three amigos or design sessions or something like that. 
um, involving them in that. That's only going to help make the team more successful. Um, but I think we also, to the point of tracking um, and having the data to support it, um, we need to be able to say, you know, we've pulled in, yeah. you know, this, this person for this many hours um, of what, you know, their time. So they're not delivering on something maybe. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, having that information is really going to support the need of this role. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, Jeff? Well, so I think um, another thing I'd recommend once you have that person and you have the um, that initiative, um, a good tool that I've seen um, the client I'm engaged with right now, it, it has a lot more focus on getting the things done rather than, okay, what is the what what's actually the vision we're after and like what's that how are these things mapping up to that bigger picture is to use story mapping and to kind of just you know go into a room put stickies down everywhere and then bring everyone in and that can be a really powerful moment to where people can see okay so what are we actually trying to do this is why it makes sense to have these you know release slices to just to yeah. identify a small product and and to be able to frame delivery commitments from um from from that perspective that's a really good really good idea so you would you would i'm assuming have the stakeholders involved in creating the story map then because that way you're getting visibility into what they consider to be important yeah that's a really great idea yeah i was going to suggest that uh like one of the things we did was in the sprint review we would go over the backlog with them and we would show them how we'd prioritized it and ask for input from them um, and that just became part of our sprint review. The, the, I think the tricky thing for us was we had to plan for reduced capacity in every sprint because our guys were spending so much time chasing down requirements for different backlog items because we had some, no one to help us with that. Um, and we made a lot of you know flawed choices along the way just because we didn't understand all, all the things that the business side of the house would have understood if they'd been more a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a good artifact to raise the conversation up a level. And um, uh, Sarah and I were actually at a client where um, we had a situation where this kind of visibility like really changed how their whole delivery mindset uh, and the whole the whole um, paradigm. They they had like this set of features that they had a really high pressure delivery commitment on, but they hadn't actually got any customers signed up to use it and pay for the features yet. Okay. So all the pressure was on actually just getting it done. And um, when we really pressed the issue about, okay, we have this tight delivery deadline, what actually has to fit in the shoebox? We, we realized that we could reduce the work by like months just by, um, building a solution that worked for one client that was willing to try it instead of for every client. Okay. So de-scoping a little bit in order to get more stuff through. Yeah. And really, and so that's why I think it goes back to like having, you know, you have to have like one product owner, you have to have someone accountable to raising up those conversations all the time. Okay, cool. This was great, man. Thank you both for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, Sarah, if, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, definitely my, um, my email, uh, Sarah McClintock at leadingagile.com, um, or on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay. And Jeff, um, you can go to my LinkedIn 
And if you can find it, you can go to my Instagram. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> he's I'm not gonna make it easy for you. He's on the Insta. You want to give him your Finsta too? Yeah, so it's my name. It's J. No, I'm kidding. I'll put the link in there. I was just trying to be hip and talk in the lingo of the young people. Oh, I guess I'm not cool enough to get the reference. Oh, the Finsta is your fake Instagram account that you show to your parents, and your Instagram account is the real one. Okay. No, my parents are on my real Insta, so I'm just rebellious. And That's because you're transparent and agile. It's good. Yeah. Um, all right. So we do want to mention one thing. Now it's too late. If you don't already have a ticket, you're not going to be able to go because it's totally sold out. But Leading Agile is sponsoring an event called Elevate Agile on October 7th in Atlanta, Georgia. If you'd like to learn more about it, you can go to elevateagile.com. Um, it's the first time we've done this, so it's a really big deal for us. And we're very excited about the fact that we're going to have this conference that's all focused on leadership and business agility. And uh, it sold out really fast. So we're excited about that. So if you want to learn more about it, again, elevateagile.com. It's October 7th in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and thank you both for being here. And if you've got any questions you want to answer on the podcast, just send them to me, dave.prior at leadingagile.com. And we'll try to include them in a future show. Thanks. Thanks.